I'm Jason Long, and this is Queer Contemplations. Those you let in, this is Dean's story. with the whole ordeal. I work in a bank and I have done since I left school. It's an alright job. It's steady. Quite easy. Money's alright. I'm just at this stage where I've started to wonder whether it's all enough for me, you know? It began about six months ago and yes, my faith has been shaken. My grandiose ideas of saving the world or at least my tiny little corner of it have been hampered. I wouldn't say I dislike my job, but I've never loved it. Mind you, people generally don't like their jobs, right? That's why they give you money. That's what my mum says. Not long ago, I went out for a few drinks with my friends in town. I've been telling them about this itch I have to do something else, to try a different life. Maybe something that helps people. I were on my way home. I couldn't afford a cab, so I were walking. Well, stumbling. (laughs) I probably had one too many. It was winter, really dark and bitterly cold. It had been raining, so it was fresh, and the pavement were icy, so I was taking my time. I was walking just off the high street when I heard these blokes shouting. I looked around, and there was this fight. Two guys kicking this other guy on the floor. I was really scared. And, you know, drunk. So I just kept walking. But something made me turn around. I mean, I had to, really. Anyone would. The two blokes had scarpered, and this other guy was just lying on the floor, moaning and writhing in pain. There were nobody else around, and this boldness just came over me. So I wandered toward him, still wary of my surroundings, keeping an eye out for people. He were about my age. He was still conscious, clasping his forearm. There were a lot of blood, but it didn't look broken or anything. I told him I were going to call the police and he got dead funny about it. Don't call him! Don't call him, he yelled. I said maybe an ambulance, but again he refused and tried to get to his feet. He was obviously homeless. And I was stuck as to what to do. He didn't want me to help, but I couldn't very well walk away and leave him. I felt awful for him. So for one reason or another, I offered to let him stay the night on my sofa. He were wary of me, 
understandably. But I helped him to his feet, and we slowly walked back to my place. We had a drink back at mine. Red wine, as I recall. He had some cigarettes on him. I've not smoked for years, but I had one to be polite, and we got talking. It was nice. Well, not nice. But it wasn't scary. I wasn't afraid of him at that point. He had a shower, and I dressed the wound he had on his arm as best I could with my limited first day training, and I let him sleep on the sofa. I had no trouble sleeping that night, which was strange, I guess. In the morning, we talked some more. He was like a different person. He clearly needed a good night's sleep somewhere warm, somewhere safe. I think it did him the world of good. He told me about his life and how everything fell down for him. He told me his story of ending up on streets. It was scary. How quickly it all happened to him. I questioned him a little, like asking about support organisations. He kept telling me nobody could come and help him because of his occasional drug use. Well, I don't know about these things, obviously. And I didn't want to keep belittling him or patronising him by asking him all these questions from my seat of privilege. Turns out he used to work in a bank. They were about to get a promotion but were accused of something or other and got fired. He did some stupid things in anger, which he told me he regretted. Not least because of where it left him, but also because of the people he hurt. He has no family, he told me. Nobody he could rely on. And nobody advised him through losing his job. He spent months trying to find work, mainly in charities and things. But the bank refused to give him a reference, so he got into this dark spiral and couldn't get back out again. He were all alone. Nobody to help him. How can this happen in Britain today? How? It makes me so sad to think about it. Just how somebody could fall into the cracks and end up so isolated. Not just sad, but really angry. That day, it were a Saturday, I let him stay and basically fed him home-cooked food all day. I had some errands to run in the afternoon, but let him rest at mine. We didn't talk much after that. I slept most of Sunday and barely saw him. But I had work on Monday and decided to let him stay in on his own. His arm still looked bad and he was still refusing any professional medical help. I'd managed to keep the dressing clean and replaced it for him every now and then. So I was sure it was going to heal okay. Anyway, when I got home, I found him in the kitchen. He tried to cook for us. He told me he wanted to do something nice to thank me, but he managed to drop a hot saucepan, which burnt a massive hole in the liner on the kitchen floor. It was fine, only an accident. These things happen. I'm really house proud and we're planning on redecorating anyway. I could tell he felt awful. But I told him not to worry. Again, accidents happen. <laughs> So I ended up cooking and he did washing up. I had to keep telling him where everything goes because he puts the knives and forks in the cupboard next to the plates. Who does that? I was shattered that evening. I was feeling a bit under the weather, so I had an early night. He stayed up ages. I could hear him watching TV, 
talking to himself and slamming the bathroom door. I had earplugs anyway because my neighbour had a baby recently and I could hear it screaming at night. <laughs> I put them in and I were fine. I got ready for work the next day. I looked in on him in the lounge before I left. He seemed fine. Passed out with an empty bottle of wine. When I got home from work, I saw that he'd helped himself to lunch and a few cups of tea. Instead of having a tea, washing up the cup and having another one, he just left the dirty mugs in the living room, teaspoons everywhere. But I had to take a deep breath and let it go. It wasn't his fault. He didn't know. It was fine. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I politely talked to him about keeping things tidy. And he apologised. And it was fine. By the next weekend, his arm were pretty much healed. We started working on a plan together to get his life back on track. I bought him some new clothes, took him to get an haircut, and we cleared out the spare room so we could use it. I bought him some new bedding and pictures for the walls and stuff to make it comfortable. He looked really quite smart after I'd finished. Handsome even. <laughs> Just unrefined. Soon we ended up spending most evenings together. I came out to him and he were okay about it. He told me he was straight and had no problem with gay people. I cooked for him every night so he could get some vegetables. We watched TV together, spent a lot of time chatting. It were nice. I enjoyed the company, but it became less like having a homeless person in your house and more like having a flatmate. I'd been getting lonely anyway. It didn't cost much in terms of utility bills and I'd always cooked too much food for just me anyway. Helping him out felt good and it was, I don't know, a nice way to pass the time. I guess I was scratching that itch, the one I told you about earlier. So I arranged this interview for him. We talked about some of the things he could do for work and he kept saying that he'd be happy being a cleaner somewhere, but I don't know, I just I felt his experience and skills, he could do more. So I set up this screening for an entry-level position in a bank. Not my bank, but I know someone who works at this other one. Little did I know what fresh hell I'd unleashed. I sensed he felt inadequate. I mean... Imagine how low his self-esteem must have been after everything that had happened to him. It was all set and arranged, the interview, and I told him when I got home from work. But he was angry. God, he was so angry. It wasn't just anger. It was rage. Sorry to interrupt. But just to let you know, this is the last in the current series of Queer Contemplations. But we'll be back in the autumn with some fresh new stories from me along with some guest writers. In the meantime, there's a bonus episode available now. Click the link in the podcast description or visit longstoriesmedia.com forward slash queer hyphen contemplations. I was genuinely quite scared. Here I were with this homeless man in my house. We were growing accustomed to living together and I were helping him to get back on his feet. But I suppose he was just so low and hated himself so much that he struggled to accept my help. 
He struggled to let me in. He was shouting. Started throwing stuff around me flat. He must have caused hundreds of pounds worth of damage to my stuff. <sighs> then came the homophobic slurs. He were accusing me of trying to sleep with him. Threatened to report me. It was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <sighs> well, I asked him to leave. But he wouldn't. There's no doubt he's physically stronger than me, so I just ignored him. I stopped speaking to him completely. It was getting late and I was starving. So I cooked us dinner without saying a word. Then I went to my room and ate it while watching TV on my tablet. I put my headphones in and curled up in a ball under my duvet, secretly hoping he'd be gone by the time I woke up. He was still in bed in the morning, so I didn't get the chance to talk to him. When I got home, he were apologetic. Really apologetic. He was trying so hard to sound sincere, but I could see right through him. He were obviously just playing lip service. None of it were genuine. I tried to let it go, just for me own sanity. I wanted to move on and forget the whole thing. But it was difficult. I got myself all worked up. But I thought, Dean, just take a deep breath and move on. I figured the only way I could get through was just to double down on my efforts to help him. So when he decides he's ready to leave, when he feels strong enough, I know it's because his fortunes have started to look up rather than him leaving in a worse position than when I found him. I got the flat ship shape again. Spent the whole evening cleaning and tidying and fixing things while he stayed in his room. I suppose, looking back, I was avoiding the way I was feeling, just busying myself, being a martyr, I guess. I just carried on, putting one foot in front of the other, reminding myself of all the good I was doing. So eventually, I helped him get this job at a fast food restaurant. It was his idea. He found the ad listed in the local newspaper. I can't tell you how pleased I were for him. I felt really proud. Not just of him, but of myself too. Is that really selfish? We celebrated together. I could tell how made up we were about the whole thing. He even offered to start paying me rent, which I politely declined. I knew the salary he'd be earning. There's no way he'd get back on his feet. He offered me a small token, but I thought it was best to let him save up for a deposit on his own place. Things were different now, you see. I were putting on this front, I suppose. And because I had this front, this guard, I'd let him become my friend. It wasn't me anymore. Not the real me. It was this act I were putting on. In my own home. This person I were being became his friend. <laughs> but it's hard to live with your friend at the best of times. It's hard for them to be there 24 hours a day, particularly after they've threatened you. I couldn't help it though. I was sort of addicted to it, to this idea that he was always just within reaching distance of his potential. We looked at the different benefits we were entitled to, but then he put two and two together and accused me of trying to get rid of him. 
I told him that I wasn't. I was just trying to help. And I told him how much I looked forward to when he could have his own place and I could come and visit and he could cook for me and stuff. But he told me he thought I was trying to control him, to own him. He said he wasn't my boyfriend or my pet project. He told me he knew why I'd really accepted him into my home. He could see through the front I'd been putting up and deep down I was just a passive-aggressive control freak who were only helping him because of some innate desire to hold people under my power and flaunt everything I have. So it all came out. He was shouting at me, screaming. It was all happening again. I can't believe I didn't see it coming. Usually I'm so intuitive about these things. Again, it all just blew up out of nowhere. Just, just some innocuous nothingness that triggered him into this aggressive, dangerous version of himself. <sighs> One of the neighbours must have heard what were happening and called the police. When they turned up, well, I could hardly defend him, could I? So I just let him take him. They took him and I have no idea what happened to him. I guess by that point I'd given him everything I were willing to give. It felt as if there were nothing more I could do for him. So I had to let him go. It's been a few months now and there's been no sign of him. It's all in the past now. My God, I hope it's all in the past. I hope it's all over. I haven't slept properly since, you see. Sometimes, when I'm lying here, alone, it's like I can feel him watching. More than once, I've got out of bed in the early hours to check he's not outside. When I'm out past dark, if I go out past dark, I'll look over my shoulder and I wonder when, when will they all catch up with me? In this episode, Dean was played by Peter Sheward Himpson. For more information on this episode, please visit longstoriesmedia.com. Thanks for listening. See you in the next series.